Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. It is great to be in San Diego here at C3. And I'm so uh, happy. I just want to say in Pastor Jurgen's absence, how much we love him and Leanne and the entire team. And I'm always glad when I get invited to come to San Diego. I just wish y'all would invite me in February <laughs> rather than, you know. But I'm so happy to be here. And I feel like God is going to do something like ridiculous. I don't even know if you're ready. Just push somebody and say, I don't think you're ready. 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 But I'm telling you, it's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous. And um, then next Sunday night, where am I next Sunday night? North Campus. And um, hey, here with us tonight are dear friends of mine, Stephen and Linda Tavani, right here in the front row. And um, it, they're very famous people. And. Um, they have an incredible ministry called Wild Jams, winning our world through Jesus and music. And uh, Stephen mostly became known back in the day for producing for Smokey Robinson back in the day. And then Linda, of course, is Peaches of Peaches and Herb reunited, shake your groove thing and all that. She only sold like 19 million records. Y'all should be happy. But anyway, <laughs> but they are wonderful people. And I think if, if they can work it out, they're going to sing next week at the North Campus. I was going to do it tonight, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll just see. We'll see how we do. But uh, they, they just um, actually they actually were pulling into the hotel when I was leaving. So I don't I don't know if they were prepared for all of that. But anyway, they wanted to they wanted to come see you. And I am so happy to be here. It's so happy to see you. Um, just grab somebody's hand. Let's pray, and then we'll get right into this because uh, I don't want to eat up our time here. We're on 42 minutes and 36 seconds right now. So the person whose hand you're holding is a miracle in motion. They wouldn't be here tonight except for God allowed them to be here. They came over a lot of things in their life to be standing here today. Jesus loves them. Somebody's struggling, but Jesus loves you. Before you leave this place tonight, you're going to have an encounter with a revelation word from God, and you will never again be the same. In Jesus' name, thank the Lord and amen. amen. Clap your hands one more time, everybody. Amen, amen. All right, you may be seated. I'm going to, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm going to look at two verses of scripture, but first I'm going to tell you just about a couple things that I brought with me. This is the book on power shifters. And uh, we are in a, in a time, uh, if you've been paying attention, all around the world, power is moving. It's moving from one place to another place. Power does not stay in the same place all the time. 
And uh, this is a study on atmospheres and climates. I was going through an airport, and God spoke four sentences to my heart. The first sentence was, a response to a spiritual influence creates an atmosphere. Second phrase, an atmosphere that is sustained creates a climate. Third phrase, a climate that's sustained creates strongholds. Fourth statement, strongholds, ways of thinking determine culture. So anyway, that's what that book is about. And you should be a power shifter. And this is really one of my favorite things. I hope that everybody will get this and put it in your house or if you have a business or something. It's called Heal the World. And uh, in America, we have a tendency to be very insular. And we don't often know what's happening every place else in the world. There are more slaves in the world today than there has ever been. Because the price of a human being is cheaper than it's ever been. More people have access to a cell phone than have access to clean water. There are many orphans in the world that we don't ever think about. We don't talk about orphans anymore, what it means to be an orphan. When you're an orphan, you live in perpetual culture shock. You don't know who you are. Where did you come from? How old are you? Who are your people? And uh, anyway, so I put together a book to inform people on that with statistics and pictures and prayers and things because Revelation chapter 22 says that the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations and there would be no more curse. And so you can put this on your table, and people just pick it up and read it, and I, I think it will have an impact on them, okay? So thank you for helping me with that. God bless you. I don't know if it would be a blessing to you. It would be a blessing to me. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to preach two verses of Scripture to you uh, here today. Hebrews chapter 13 is the first one. I think that we have these if we do. Hebrews chapter 13. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood, somebody say through the blood, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And then the book of Revelation, this might be familiar to you, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser, the word accuser is from the word accursor, the accursor of our brethren is cast down which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. When I was growing up in church, I heard a lot of preaching about the blood. And uh, I didn't understand it as a child, but people would always put the blood on stuff. They was always putting the blood on it. And then they would put the blood on it and do like, because when you do like that, that's how you seal it, you know. And they would say, I put the blood on, on it, like that. So before we leave up out here tonight, we're we going to put the blood on it. We're going to put the blood on it. Baba, put the blood on it. And we would come up in church, and they would do call and response. The preacher would say, well, I can wash away my sin. And the people would say, Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? They'd say, but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. Some of y'all don't even know what to do yet. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I don't hear a lot about the blood anymore. Faith and fear are antithetical to one another. That is to say that wherever faith is, fear is not. 
Wherever fear is, then faith is dormant. They are not two sides of the same coin. They are two different things altogether. Faith and fear do not coexist. They do not occupy the same time and space and cannot live in the same heart simultaneously. Uh, fear, though, is different than concern. Uh, it is possible for me to be concerned about something that I am not fearful over. I find out, as a matter of fact, that sometimes concern wakes up my faith. That when I become concerned about a matter, that my concern awakens my faith and says that my faith must now become engaged in something because I'm concerned about it. I say that because I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I don't want you to think I'm in fear. I'm not in fear. I believe that good wins over evil. Yes, I, I believe that. I believe that love is bigger than hate. I believe that God will always win over the devil. So, but I am concerned. I'm concerned about the direction that many of us are going. I'm concerned about our country. I'm concerned about our people. I'm concerned about the way that we treat each other. I'm concerned. I'm concerned about it because I don't know that, that we get it. I don't know if we get it. I don't, I don't know. I, I hear a lot of people pulling into corners uh, and not feeling like they understand what the real problems are. And so when we don't know what the real problems are, we have a tendency to get caught up in side issues. Uh, and the side issues, it's not that they are unimportant. It's just that they're not the thing. Not the thing. I'm concerned about that. I hear people talking, and some people, some people try to convince me that our problem is a political problem. Our problem is a political problem. And, um, and we certainly have interesting politics in the world today. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's unimportant who occupies seats of power, but I think that the problem is that if we are looking for a superman or a superwoman to fix everything, then we don't get it. We don't get it. It's not the problem. It's not the problem. Some people tell me that our problem is an economic problem. If we just had more jobs, we just had some more money, we got quiet in this room. <laughs> but, but they think, you know, if, if, uh, I, I don't buy into the belief that because I've been deprived, I should be depraved. I don't, I don't, I don't buy into the concept that our problem is an economic problem. Um, I do believe that we need people that know how to run a calculator, and, and I do believe in fiscal responsibility, but uh, that's not really the problem. And people try to tell me that our problem is a race problem. We have a race problem, and we certainly have a lot of strides to be made. We have reforms that need to be done, and we have sensitivities that we need to be aware of, but, but the problem is not so much just a race problem because you can legislate laws, but if a person in their heart does not want to like you, they just find another way not to like you. Uh, I only have, I don't have enough time to fix everything, but I, I, I just want to tell you that I believe that our problem is a heart problem. Our problem is a heart problem because we don't understand covenants. We have lost our concept of covenant. We've lost the understanding that God makes a covenant and we are now living off of the momentum of other generations. We are living on the prayers that somebody else prayed. 
We are living in church structures that another generation built. We are living off of the momentum of people who stood for righteousness and prayed us through, and the momentum on that train is slowing down because we want to live in a nation and we want God to bless us while we push God out of everything that we are doing. And I just came to tell somebody that if we don't recapture our understanding of covenants, this is where our blessing is. God makes a covenant. God makes a covenant with Adam. God makes a covenant with Noah. God makes a covenant with Abraham. God makes a covenant with David. And by the time we get to Hebrews, we read about the everlasting covenant. The everlasting covenant, though it is the last one mentioned, it is the first one created. If you understand God, that God always begins where he ends, and God starts with the end in mind, and so the everlasting covenant was the first one in the mind of God, therefore he had to back up and roll it out through time, but it was there before anything else ever happened. It is the everlasting covenant. So you have to understand that every thought that God ever thought is contained within the I am thought. That when God said, I am, he didn't come up with anything new. That God, every thought that he ever had was already in that thought. So that God had already slain Christ, not as a secondary consequence, but the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. So before there was a problem, God had already thought the solution. And God breathed it into the I am thought. So to understand this, you have to see that it was the purpose of God to create an amen in the earth. God's purpose was to create an amen in the earth. Therefore, he connected Adam to both worlds. He created Adam from the dust of the earth so he could be connected to the earth. And then he breathed into Adam the breath of life so that Adam was connected to heaven and earth simultaneously. So that when God said something in heaven, Adam could say amen in the earth. So the question came to me, where did Adam's blood come from? Because Adam had no parents. So where did Adam's blood come from? If God is spirit, then where did Adam's blood come from? Because we will, we will find out later that Leviticus will tell us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. But the question then is if the life of the flesh is in the blood, where's the life of the blood? Hmm. When God breathed into Adam, he breathed his thought. He breathed the I am into Adam which means everything God was ever going to do was breathed as an intent into Adam. And since Christ was already slain in the mind of God, when God breathed into Adam, he breathed the blood of the lamb into Adam's blood so that when Adam got up, he got up not just with hemoglobin, but he got up with the breath of God in his blood so that when Adam spoke, the world responded to Adam as if God spoke. And Adam was not the strongest creature, the fastest creature, or the biggest creature, but he had no sense of alarm or hindrance because the world responded to him as if he was God because when Adam spoke, the voice of God was in his blood. Just walk with me for a minute now. Because when Adam transgresses the law of God, he does not cease to have blood. He doesn't lose his blood type, hemoglobin. What he loses is the breath in his blood. So in dying, he begins to die. So though his body is still pumping blood, the voice of God in his blood is gone. So now Adam reproduces after his own kind. 
and Cain kills his brother Abel. And when his blood comes up out of him, God says the voice of your brother's blood is crying out unto me. We are foolish to think that we can kill each other in the streets and God doesn't hear it. We are foolish to think that we can kill the lives of unborn children and God doesn't hear it. We are foolish to think that we can shed blood all over the world and God is not hearing it. There is a voice of your brother's blood that is crying out unto God. I have to move quickly now so that you'll understand that, that, that God then begins to roll it out and he begins to talk to Noah and he begins to talk to Abraham and he begins to talk and he puts these covenants into place. For sake of time, let me just kind of move down this way because what God is wanting to do now is to initiate the everlasting covenant which he had in his own mind before he ever talked to Adam. And now here comes Jesus. Uh, the Spirit of God does what it does in the beginning and hovers over the face of the deep and it's hovering over a young lady by the name of Mary. And the Spirit of God hovers over Mary and now she has a child on the inside of her, but the child has to be born, but it can't have Joseph's blood because Joseph has Adam's blood. And it can't have Mary's blood because Mary has her family's blood. And so God breathes again into Mary, and now here comes, for the first time since Adam, someone walking the earth that has voice in their blood. It, it is not a coincidence that John refers to him as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The 14th verse, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of great. I'm trying to preach the Bible to somebody in here. And God, God took his mind. God took his thought. God took his breath. And he wrapped it up and put skin on it. And Jesus comes walking out. Jesus comes walking out. And for the first time since Adam, Jesus is not the second Adam. He's the last Adam. And the last Adam comes to reverse what the first Adam should have done. And so Jesus comes walking, the word of God, the voice of God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, two, some 6,000 years later, it's now walking through the earth in the cool of the day. And now here he comes walking to show everybody that the world is supposed to be operating according to the breath that's in his blood. It has to respond to him because he made it. The, the, the doctrine of continuance teaches us that God not only creates something, but God continues to be with what he created from, from filling all time and space, continuing to uphold all things by the word of his power. Yes. That means that, that, that God exists outside of time. He doesn't exist in time. And so on the first day, from the darkness until the morning, God created the first day. And then you got a second day uh, when God created the firmament and the stars and luminaries. And then the third day, but God was still in the first day making sure that the sun was still shining and then he he was still on the second day when you moved into the third day and by the time you got to the fourth day God is in the fourth day but he's still on the first day making sure that the sun is still shining making sure that the firmament is still the firmament making sure that the rocks are still the rocks making sure the birds are still the bird and then when you get to the sixth day God is in the sixth day but he's still in the first day so here we are here we are some all these thousands of years later, and what you have to understand is that God is still upholding all things by the word of his power, making sure that rocks don't turn into birds and birds don't turn into trees and monkeys don't turn into people. And God, God said, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still upholding it all by the word of my power. 
I'm upholding all of it. Uh, that, 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 that will help you to understand that when Jesus comes walking and Jesus gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water, you, you, you miss it if you think the water is holding him up. He said, no, it's, it's, it's responding to me because I'm holding it up. Because it remembers I was in that day when I created it, and it still has to obey me because I'm holding it up. When I speak to a tree and tell it to dry up, it's got to dry up. When I tell the mountain to move, the mountain has to move. Because I'm showing you now what it looks like to live in a world that responds to your voice. So here comes the word of God. But now Jesus has to undo everything. So let me, let me, let me get to where I'm going because you, you have to see that if you track with Jesus, you see a trail of blood. You see a trail of blood. Jesus goes to Gethsemane. And in Gethsemane, the Bible said he prays until his sweat becomes as great drops of blood. He goes from Gethsemane to the house of Caiaphas. The house of Caiaphas, they pluck his beard out and they beat him in his face until he is no longer recognizable to those who knew him and he bleeds from his face. He goes from the house of Caiaphas to the Praetorium and there in Praetorium they take the whips and they beat him on his back until blood comes from his back. On the way to Calvary, somebody grabs a crown of thorns and they stick it down on his head and from his head he bleeds the blood from his head when he goes to the cross they nail him up on the cross and they put nails in his hands and out of his hands comes blood they drive the stakes into his feet and out of his feet comes blood they stick him in his side and out of his side comes blood it is a trail of blood from Gethsemane to Calvary and every time that Jesus blood came out a voice came out against the accuser of the brethren who stood before God to accuse you day and night. So let's look at it now. Jesus goes to Gethsemane. Adam lost it in one garden, and Jesus wins it in another garden. And in, in Adam's garden, Adam preferred his will over the will of God. But in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Not my will, but thy will be done. I am the amen in the earth and so in the garden of gethsemane jesus bought healing for my will he gave me a want to that when you give your life to jesus you're gonna find yourself wanting to do the right stuff nobody has to make you do it but your want to changes you have the propensity to do right <laughs> when jesus goes from there to the to the house of caiaphas and they beat him up on his face and pull his beard out the King James word is visage. His visage was marred until he was not recognizable. He allowed his image to be marred so that my image could be healed. Yes. Much of the problems that people get into in the world today is because they have a wrong image of themselves. And when they look at themselves, they see the wrong image. But Jesus said, I'm going to allow them to ruin my image so that when my blood comes from my face, it will buy the healing for your image. So that when you look into the mirror, you can say, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I am in the right body. I am in the right gender. I am in the right race. I am in the right height. I am who God made me to be. And my image is all right because Jesus healed my image.
Jesus goes from the house of Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and there they take the whips, and they smite him up on his back. And you know the scripture out of Isaiah, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. And when the blood came out of the back of Jesus, he bought the healing for our bodies. I'm glad to know today that I serve a God who is still able to heal, who is still able to deliver, who is able to say, cancer, you've got to go. Who's able to say heart disease and bone disease, you got to leave these people alone and let them go. Because by his stripes, he bought the healing to my body. Amen. On the road to Calvary, they take the crown of thorns. Thorns was a symbol of the curse. That when Adam left the garden, thorns came up from the ground. And then Abraham had a ram that was caught in the thorns, which was a symbol of Jesus. Caught in the thorns. And Jesus puts the sign of the curse upon his head. And when they pushed those crowns of thorns upon his head, blood came from his head. And there he bought the healing for my mind. That I can say I don't have to live in worry. I don't have to live in anxiety. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to be confused. Because my mind has been healed by the blood of Jesus. I just want to tell somebody today, if you're battling in your mind, the blood of Jesus is for you so that you don't have to be concerned in your mind all the time. Oh, I'm almost there. I'm getting ready to get happy here. Just hang on there. So, so Jesus buys the healing for our mind. When he goes to the cross, they put him up on the cross, and there they put nails in his hands. And when the blood comes out of his hands, he buys healing for my work. That now, since the blood has been applied, whatever I set my hand to do will prosper. Uh, that, I, with, that I can lift up my hands unto the Lord. That my hands are not for violence. My hands are not for war. My hands are not to harm. But my hands are for clapping. My hands are for lifting. My hands are for healing. That whatever I put my hands on, God said, I bought healing for your work. That you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Somebody clap those hands in here tonight. It is the healing of your hands. I got to tell you now that I like this because when they put the nails in his feet, he bought healing for my walk. Ooh. That I can walk before the Lord in the land of the living. David said, he has delivered my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. That whenever something is going on, I have to realize I can just keep on walking. I can keep on walking. If I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I'm not camping out there. I'm just going to keep on walking. If I find myself in a fiery furnace, I'm going to be walking in the fire. I'm going to keep on walking with Jesus. I'm going to keep on walking. I don't have to stop. I don't have to fall. But he has given me a walk that I can walk for the Lord in the land of the living. I'm blessed because I'm walking in his counsel. Somebody say, keep walking. Jesus bought healing for your walk. And then when they pierced him in his side, he bought healing for our fellowship to bring us close to his side. Adam in his garden, God reached in and pulled Adam's bride out of his side. And on the cross, out of the side of Jesus, he gave birth by the blood to his bride, the church. 
so that he can look at us and say, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Uh, most people stop right there, but I'm not most people. So I'm, one more. Yeah, one more. Ah, are, you, are you ready for this? I just preached all that to get here because I'm getting ready to give you the big one right here. It's the big one. Most people stop right there, but they don't understand that Jesus was not finished with the work of the blood. Yes. Uh, Hebrews 4 says, how could he ascend except he first descends into the lower parts of the earth? And Jesus descended into a place called Abraham's bosom. Yes. Abraham's bosom was a holding place. If you remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus, Abraham's bosom is a holding place because the Old Testament saints were not saved because the blood of the everlasting covenant had not been initiated. But they did the best that they could do in the light that they had. So they were justified, but they could not go to heaven because they had not received the blood of the lamb. But they couldn't go to hell because they were doing the best they knew how to do. So God created a holding place called Abraham's bosom for them and there they remained until Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth and the Bible said he took his blood and he went into Abraham's bosom and he began to preach himself to the saints who were held captive in Abraham's bosom because they did what they did out of obedience but they didn't understand that they were just fulfilling part of the everlasting covenant so Jesus stands up and he tells Adam hey Adam I'm the last Adam and he begins to tell Noah I am the ark yes he tells Abraham he said I'm the ram caught in the thorns he begins to tell Daniel I am the one I was the fourth man walking in the fire oh yes he begins to tell Jeremiah I am the potter and you are the clay he tells Ezekiel I'm the wheel in the middle of the wheel he said hey David I'm the shepherd who becomes the king I'm the real giant killer here, baby. He begins to preach himself, and Jesus put his blood into Abraham's bosom, and the Old Testament saints believed on him. And early on that third day, Jesus came up from the grave, and when Jesus came up, they got up with him. And the Old Testament saints got up with Jesus, and the Bible said there was so much life coming through the ground that people saw folks that had been dead for years walking around. But what I like about it is Jesus refused to go away. His critics would have loved for him to go away. But for 40 days, Jesus is hanging around, showing up. You know the people that killed him? We're like, why won't he just go away? I got to love that about Jesus because he's like, I'm resurrected from the dead, but I'm going to hang out for a while just to aggravate you. And the Bible said he keeps showing up at places. He shows up on the road to Emmaus. He shows up in front of crowds of people. For 40 days and 40 nights, he walks around preaching to them the things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven. And they keep trying to, where is he? Why, why don't he go away? And Jesus keeps teaching. But he had one last thing to do. He had to take his blood. And he took his blood into heaven. And the Bible said there was a stain in the holy of holies that was there ever since the fall of Lucifer. That Lucifer didn't understand 
that you can't handle the glory. Yeah. There is no being created that has the capacity to handle the glory. God alone can handle the weight of glory. That's why entertainers and athletes and famous people are crushed under the power. When people start to worship you and you let people worship you, you can't handle the level of glory. God alone is built to handle worship. You are built to give worship, but you can't handle it. You can't handle it. And Jesus says, I got one last thing to do. And Jesus now ascends into the heavens and he goes into the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus goes into the Holy of Holies, he leads a procession. He leads a procession and he goes in through the gates of heaven. And behind him is Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Deborah and Ruth. And they all go walking into the heaven's gates. And when they walk in, Jesus says, I got something left to do. Because there's been a film and a stain that was violated because of Lucifer's rebellion. That for all of those years, there had been a stain in the heavenly sanctuary because the blood of bulls and goats and men and the martyrs could not cleanse the heavenly sanctuary because they all had Adam's blood. But the Bible said by his own blood, Jesus walked in. I ain't talking about hemoglobin now. Jesus took his own voice. Jesus took his sinless blood and he walked into the heavenly sanctuary in the same way that Moses sprinkled the blood figuratively in the temple that Jesus took his blood and he opened it up in the whole of holies and he cleansed the heavenly sanctuary he cleansed it to such a degree that he said now I'm gonna do something that nobody could ever do I'm gonna upset Lucifer because I'm gonna replace him now I'm gonna replace him with a people that have the blood of the lamb the voice of God in their blood and by him therefore let us offer up the sacrifice of praise continually which is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. I'm trying to tell you that when you praise God and when you worship God, earth is never more like heaven than when we worship. And when we worship, heaven and earth come together, that we become the amen in the earth. And the elders are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And we are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And God said, I'm going to take your praises and I'm going to put them in the place where you, Lucifer used to operate. And now Lucifer has been dismissed because there's a company of praise in the earth that say my name is here to give glory unto God. My praise is here to give glory unto God. Somebody take a minute right here. If I had time, if I had time, I'd tell you all about it. But what I'm trying to tell you is that not only did Jesus buy healing for your mind, not only did he buy healing for your image, not only did he buy healing for your will and for your work and for your walk and for your fellowship, but Jesus took his blood and opened up heaven for you. That whenever you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That there is no separation between me and God. That Jesus said, I'm opening up the heavens. So over your life is an open heavens. So you can be like Jacob and say I see a ladder touching the heavens and touching the earth and God is in this place that wherever I pray the heavens are open up over me that I can declare the heavens are open the blessings are coming deliverance is coming
I came to tell you that if the people of God will get this revelation on the blood, oh, yes, yes, uh, that when you walk up out of here, you can put the blood on it. And the devil starts messing with your kids, and you say, I put the blood on it. The devil's trying to take my city. Put the blood on it. The devil's trying to mess with my mind. On it. The devil thinks he has San Diego, but he doesn't know we came here. Own it. Everybody's standing for one minute right here. Everybody's standing. I'm telling you, next, next Sunday night is going to be ridiculous. I don't know how much room we have at the North Campus. I don't care. <laughs> if you guys come next Sunday night, you have to sing Bought by the Blood. Woo! And I'm just, I don't know if it's people from North Campus here, but y'all are hearing this, and y'all might get there early, and they might have to stand outside. But that's all right, we'll put the blood on them, and it'll be all right. I'll pray the first prayer here today. First prayer right here. I'm going to be done just in just a couple minutes. And I'm going to pray this prayer right here because there are people under the sound of my voice that have never, never given your life to Jesus. And you're saved. We are saved by the blood of the everlasting covenant. The type, the type goes like this, that during... Passover to what would become the crucifixion is they had to bring a lamb a spotless lamb and they would bring that in to the priest I want you to hear me now when they brought the lamb into the priest the priest only inspects the lamb not the one bringing it he just, he just looks at the lamb and if the lamb is spotless, then the one bringing it is okay. And I just want to tell you, when you put the blood of the lamb over your life, God is not looking at you. He says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. And if the blood of Abel cries out, then how much more does the blood of Jesus cry out because from Adam until Jesus there was a voice in front of God accusing them day and night until the blood of the lamb came and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying now has come salvation and the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and there are people under the sound of my voice tonight. doesn't matter to me whether you're on the front row, on the platform, or in the back seat, or standing over out in the hallway. But there are people under the sound of my voice that have never fully surrendered to Jesus. And you're here tonight. I don't know whether you came because somebody promised you a pizza after service, or, or you thought you were going to a show or something. I don't know how you got here. But you're here, and Jesus is talking to you right now.
And you say, listen, preacher, before you get up out of here, when you pray that prayer for people to receive the blood of Jesus, to save them of all of their sin, I'm one of those people and tonight. I'm going to make my commitment sure, and I'm going to make it steadfast. Will you pray that prayer? I'm one of those people. Put your hands straight up in the air right now because I'm going to get you down there. Come on. Come on. Hold them up real high. God bless you. I see you. I see you over there, too. Over there. Yes. Somebody's already praying with this young man over here. Somebody back here. You got him right there. Okay. Let's all pray this prayer together, okay? Let's just pray this prayer. That way nobody has to pray it by themselves. Dear God, I come to you now in Jesus' name. I don't claim to be a great person. I don't claim to have lived a great life. I am a sinner. I have faith, and I believe Jesus died for me and rose on the third day. Today, by faith, I apply the blood of the Lamb to my life. Thank you for saving me and making me whole. Reach out and put your hand on somebody. We speak healing, deliverance from every bondage, from every oppression, every hindrance across this place tonight. Right here, C3, San Diego, we put the blood on it. We put the blood on it right now. Whatever situation is working, we put the blood on it in the name of Jesus. And everybody that has voice in their breath and voice in their blood, clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We want to take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.